Welcome back to Reading the Book of Mormon with Ryan. So today we are going to be reading chapter four of First Nephi with John Penny. Welcome, John. Hey, welcome. How's it going, everyone? Hello. So, um, John, you are, live here in New York. Yes, I do. You are marketing, you work in marketing technology sales. That is correct. Uh, you are from here in New York City. Uh, you said you are semi-active. You actually go to my ward. Isn't that great? Yeah, it is great, actually. I, I like sitting next to you in church when I go. With my giant soda. Yes. As uh, long as you don't kick it, because I've kicked it. In the back row. It's the best row. It is the best. Um, and where do you find yourself on the LGBTQAI, uh, uh, SSA, and mixed orientation marriage? Where do you find yourself in there? I am a single gay man. And uh, so I take it you are single and you're not in a relationship? Are you dating? Uh, I am not in a relationship. I am dating and would love to be in a relationship. Ah, <laughs> dreams. Uh, yes. And did you serve a mission? Yes, I did serve a mission. Foreign speaking, I speak Spanish. Hola. Oh. Hola. I also speak the Espanol. All right, everyone. So we're going to go ahead and dive into chapter four of First Nephi. And when you're ready, John. Cool. Here it goes. Chapter four. And it came to pass that I spake unto my brethren, saying, Let us go up again unto Jerusalem, and let us be faithful in keeping the commandments of the Lord. For behold, he is mightier than all the earth, then why not might, mightier than Laban and his fifty, yea, or even than his tens of thousands? Therefore let us go up, let us be strong like unto Moses. For he truly spake unto the waters of the Red Sea, and they divided hither and thither. And our fathers came through, out of captivity, on dry ground, and the armies of Pharaoh did follow and were drowned in the waters of the Red Sea. Now behold, ye know that this is true, and ye also know that an angel hath spoken unto you. Wherefore can ye doubt? Let us go up. The Lord is able to deliver us, even as our fathers, and to destroy Laban, even as the Egyptians. Now when I had spoken these words, they were yet wroth, and did still continue to murmur. Nevertheless, they did follow me up until we came without the walls of Jerusalem. And it was by night, and I caused that they should hide themselves without the walls. And after they had hid themselves, I, Nephi, crept into the city and went forth towards the house of Laban. And I was led by the Spirit not knowing beforehand the things which I, which I should do. Nevertheless, I went forth. And as I came near unto the house of Laban, I beheld a man, and he had fallen to the earth before me, for he was drunken with wine. And when I came to him, I found that it was Laban, and I beheld his sword, and I drew it forth from the sheath thereof, and the hilt thereof was of pure gold, and the workmanship thereof was exceedingly fine. And I saw that the blade thereof was of the, up, was of the most precious steel. And it came to pass that I was constrained by the Spirit that I should kill Laban. But I said in my heart, Never at any time have I shed the blood of man. And I shrunk and would that I might not slay him. And the Spirit said unto me, Behold, the Lord hath delivered him into thy hands. Yea, and also I knew that he had sought to take away mine own life, Yea, and he would not hearken unto the commandments of the Lord, and he also had taken away our property. And it came to pass that the Spirit said unto me again, Slay him, for the Lord hath delivered him into thy hands. Behold, the Lord slayeth the wicked to bring forth his righteous purposes. It is better that one man should perish than that a nation should dwindle and perish in unbelief. And now when I, Nephi, had heard these words, I remembered the words of the Lord which he spake unto me in the wilderness, saying that, Inasmuch as thy seeds shall keep my commandments, they shall prosper in the land of promise. Yea, and I also thought that they could not keep the commandments of the Lord according to the law of Moses, save they should have the law. And I also knew that the law was engraven upon the plates of brass. And again, I knew that the Lord had delivered Laban into my hands for this cause that I might obtain the records according to his commandments. Therefore I did obey the voice of the Spirit, and took Laban by the hair of the head, 
and I smote off his head with his own sword. And after I had smitten off his head with his own sword, I took the garments of Laban and put them upon mine own body, yea, even every whit, and I did gird on his armor about my loins. And after I had done this, I went forth unto the treasury of Laban. And as I went forth towards the treasury of Laban, behold, I saw the servant of Laban who had the keys of the treasury. And I commanded him in the voice of Laban that he should go with me into the treasury. And he supposed me to be his master Laban, for, be, for he beheld the garments and also the sword girded about my loins. And he spake unto me concerning the elders of the Jews, he knowing that his master Laban had been out by night among them. And I spake unto him as if it had been Laban. And I also spake unto him that I should carry the engravings, which were upon the plates of brass, to my elder brethren, who were without the walls. And I also bade him that he should follow me. And he, supposing that I spake of the brethren of the church, and that I was truly that Laban whom I had slain, wherefore he did follow me. And he spake unto me many times concerning the elders of the Jews, as I went forth unto my brethren who were without the walls. And it came to pass that when Laban, sorry, and it came to pass that when Laman saw me, he was exceedingly frightened, and also Lemuel and Sam. And they fled from before my presence, for they supposed it was Laban, and that he had slain me and had sought to take away their lives also. And it came to pass that I called after them, and they did hear me. Wherefore they did cease to flee from my presence. And it came to pass that when the servant of Laban beheld my brethren, he began to tremble, and was about to flee from before me and return to the city of Jerusalem. And now I, Nephi, being a man large in stature, and also having received much strength of the Lord, therefore I did seize upon the servant of Laban and held him, that he should not flee. And it came to pass that I spake with him, that if he would hearken unto my words, as the Lord liveth, and as I live, even so that if he would hearken unto our words, we would spare his life. And I spake unto him, even with an oath, that he need not fear, that he should be a free man like unto us, if he would go down in the wilderness with us. And I also spake unto him, saying, Surely the Lord hath commanded us to do this thing, and shall we not be diligent in keeping the commandments of the Lord? Therefore, if thou wilt go down unto the wilderness to my father, thou shalt have place with us. And it came to pass that Zoram did take courage at the words which I spake. Now Zoram was the name of the servant, and he promised that he would go down into the wilderness unto our father. Yea, and he also made an oath unto us that he would tarry with us from that time forth. Now we were desirous that he should tarry with us for this cause, that the Jews might not know concerning our flight into the wilderness, lest they should pursue us and destroy us. And it came to pass that when Zoram had made an oath unto us, our fears did cease concerning him. And it came to pass that we took the plates of brass and the servant of Laban and departed into the wilderness and journeyed unto the tent of our father. Okay, so what are the first things that jump out at you about this? Oh, that's a really great question. I'm, I've read this scripture or this chapter so many times, right? And uh, it's actually been a while since I've read through the Book of Mormon. So in prepping for this, um, it was interesting to read this after the last few years where my relationship with the church has changed. So I think that, you know, that's a really interesting question. And, you know, I think first off, Zoram, who is this guy, and how terrible is his life that he's willing to literally just like walk away from everything? Is it terrible, or is it that he has felt the spirit? So for me, like I think Zoram is a very interesting character, especially in this chapter. But the thing that stood out to me, especially having you read this and as you as my friend, is you and I are like very different, mm -hmm. and I'm super gay. <laughs> like I just start talking and you're like, girl, you gay, but oh girl, so so gay, so gay. Um, as my husband has said, I'm a one man gay pride parade, and um, it is kind of true. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. But what I like here is that um, Nephi basically 
he puts on a garb that's not his own and he's passing. Mm-hmm. And in the gay community, you have what's called straight passing. Mm-hmm. And like, it's very interesting to me because you're great at straight passing. Like a lot Thank of, you. <laughs> some I don't do it on purpose. Well, the thing is, I was like, some people think it's a negative. Some people think it's a positive. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. Like I'm gay and I'm, really gay and you're straight pass you can do straight passing like my husband he's also he's the straightest of all of my i don't know a gay or gay man that's straighter at (laughs) passing than my husband which is crazy to me well it's interesting that we're even having this conversation i know now we're separate you know stepping away from the book of mormon a little bit and talking about this concept of passing as something i think it's so interesting because most of us I mean, we spend all of our lives, at least our the, the initial part of our lives, trying to figure out who we are. And during that, we often get all these messages from uh, from society, family, even ourselves, TV, whatever, about who we should be. So yes. So we try to be who we should be. Uh-huh. And then hopefully as we get older, we realize that being, being who we should be actually makes us miserable. So we start to figure out to be who we are. And then hopefully, you know, most of us figure that out and then just live our lives happily as we are. Well, I mean, like literally this whole like verses 11 through i know let's go back to 10 through 13 Mm -hmm. that's a literally like the the angel of the lord or personal revelation or personal like that's what nephi is going through is that whole like who am i and who do i need to be and the lord's like you need to you need to kill this fool so like, it's him taking on the ownership of who he is as a person, like, and I feel like it's one of those things with, like, God's like, this is something that you need to do, but it's not, it's going to define you. But to me, I've never thought about how, like, there's that idea of passing, mm-hmm. and, like, it's right there in the scriptures. No, I did think it was interesting. Like, I never, I never thought the correlation or the concept of that idea of passing as something well and it's interesting that this thing that the lord is commanding them to do is all done in secrecy like we don't normally think of that either like most of the things that we think of that come from god are things in the light things that are visible things that are seen and yet this whole chapter and most of this beginning portion of uh the first book of nephi is all about how god is commanding these people to do something i mean it doesn't it's not all in private but to do something something in secret uh it's just an interesting concept I also like... Oh, were you about to say something? No, go for it. Okay, okay. But I like also how he finds Zoram, and he Uh continues the passing in front of Zoram. And he's like, oh yeah, I can talk to you about football or whatever masculine thing you need me to talk about. Like how people who are like straight passing and they're like, they can do that. Um, And... It's very interesting. He's like, I want to go here. And here he is. He has the keys to all of Laban's wealth. Mm-hmm. And he only wants a singular book. So, like, Laban and Lemuel, had they gotten in there, they would have been like, and we need a cart, mm-hmm. and we need some horses. And But I feel like it's like an attest- a testament to Nephi, where he's like, I don't need all of that. I just need... Um, the one book and one thing. because mm-hmm. it also I like how Zoram like follows him because it's not an odd request that that um Laban would go in there and just take one thing oh, out of at that point I yeah. was like no there's an odd request and it comes later in the chapter but I get what you're saying but at it, that point there's nothing odd about it he's the, the interaction he's acting are... exactly the way that Laban would act he's literally pretending to be Laban and doing the things that Laban would do. And I, and I like how he's like, oh, I just want the one thing. And La- he's like, oh, yeah, Laban would want just the one thing. Mm-hmm. And out of all of the stuff that's in here, he would just want, like, one thing, maybe two. Yeah, because it's his. He could yeah. get it whenever he wants well, to. Yeah. So. Well, I think that's interesting. I do think, you know, depending on where we want to go next, I mean, let's maybe just start with the clothing. So I do think it's really interesting that I'm... And I just, I say interesting a lot, so you'll hear that if you listen for it. Now that I've Good told for you, you. But there's a verse 9, I, I think, is interesting. That he gives a description of the sword. Like, what's the point? And I beheld the sword, and I drew it forth from the sheath thereof. 
and the hilt thereof was of pure gold, and the workmanship thereof was exceedingly fine, and I saw that the blade thereof was of the most precious steel. Okay, so what do you think he would be wearing today if if this was written today? What would Laban be wearing? What would Laban be wearing? Oh, this is where you need to answer this question. I, unfortunately, do not know fashion nearly as well as I should. Or nearly as well as you might expect a gay man who... Well, I guess I'm not super fashionable. You can't see, but I'm actually wearing a t-shirt right now that says science on the front, and it has two of the female characters from Star Trek The Next Generation. So I, I love how you've turned podcasting into a visual medium. Well, hey, you know what? I try. And uh, I've got... Captain, or sorry, uh, Dr. Beverly Crusher on one side, and I have Counselor Deanna Troy on the other. Uh, Star Trek The Next Generation was one of those shows I loved watching as a kid with my mom after school. Hmm. But I think I think Dustin would actually be probably the most interesting one, too. So there's a group of us here in New York who are fairly co- close friends, and Dustin would probably be the one that I would like to have answer the question of, what would, what Laban, would Laban be wearing? Yeah, I think that... Uh, I mean, I like the sword. I like. I think it's interesting that there is a sword. We can go all phallic symbol there, but I don't know that <sighs> there was any point with. Yeah, it's not that that's what was trying to happen in this, in this verse. There was also the point at the end where basically Nephi like manhandles uh, Zoram to keep him from running away. Yeah, and I, I never thought of that as like something. I also like how, like when I. Fr- so when I was reading through this, I always forget about Sam, like Lehman, Lemuel, and Sam. Mm-hmm. I'm like, is it Samwise Gamgee maybe? Like, maybe. are they are they on their quest? Are they in their fellowship? Instead of getting a ring, they went to go get a book, mm-hmm. you know? So. Well, the other thing I, you know, I think we gloss over this a lot in this chapter. Like, Nephi just killed somebody. And... There's all these verses that explain how he justifies it and how this is like God telling him to do this thing. But I also think it's fascinating that like the hero of the story is killing a guy who's laying drunk on the ground. He's a murderer. And yes, now, you know, if you actually understand like Jewish scripture and you read back there, verse 11 is really interesting. Behold, the Lord hath delivered him into thy hands. Yea, and I also knew that he had sought to take away mine own, mine own life. Yea, and he would not hearken unto the commandments of the Lord. And he ha- also had taken away our property. The law of Moses actually, because of the things that Laban did, would say that Laban is guilty and deserves to be put to death. So there are a bunch of scriptures you can look up that explain that based on these reasons. Basically, the fact that he had stolen their property meant that he was worthy of death. The fact that um, he had sought to take away his life meant that he deserved in return. This is me paraphrasing what I hope I remember correctly from all that studying I used to do when I was more active in the church. But basically what's interesting... I like this. I like this. Continue. <laughs> but what's interesting is that there, as far as the law of Moses is concerned, basically what, um, what Nephi does here is fully justified. And even that thing that says, the Lord hath delivered him into thy hands... It says that three different times, I think, once in the chapter before, um, it says that he will deliver him into his arms in the chapter before, verse 29, and then again here, verse 11 and verse 12. And in like the scriptures, if you read like in Deuteronomy, I think, or I can't, you know, I think it's Exodus or Deuteronomy, it talks about the Lord delivering somebody in, into his hand. So it's just interesting that this is like, okay, but I, it's also interesting that that is like where the story begins. I think it's interesting too is like I always thought that um, it was kind of uh, interesting like how we kind of gloss over the murder of Laban. How it's like, mm, should you feel any kind of guilt or well, remorse? There's nothing. There, None. It just, I killed him, put on his clothes and went and did the rest of it. You never hear, how did I feel about this? Did I ever have remorse ever later in life? I don't think it's ever touched on ever again in the book of Mormon. No, I don't think so either. And I always wonder, like, so I love listening to the podcast, My Favorite Murder. And I always, as I was reading this, I'm like, ah, oh, this murder is so fascinating. I wonder how, like, listening to it and how, like, there's doesn't sound like there's guilt or remorse. And I'm like, hmm, I wonder what Karen Gilgariff and uh, Georgia Hartshart would say about this. I'm like, <laughs> No, it's, it's fascinating, and it's a thing that we kind of gloss over because it, it doesn't, there's no reason for us in general Mormon narrative to question, like, 
how good Nephi is because Nephi is the hero in all of the children's stories that we were told. But he's a murderer. But it's also like... Is he a murderer or is he dispensing God's justice? Is that the same thing? Uh, oh, I don't know. But we're going to take a quick break right now and we can come back and talk about that. Cool. Hold on one second, everybody. Boo, John. Boo. <laughs> um, but welcome back to Reading the Book of Mormon with Ryan. And our guest today is the mediocrely handsome John Penny. <laughs> Thanks, Ryan. I appreciate uh, it. What? Who needs enemies when you have friends like me? Exactly. I have no enemies. <laughs> so if you are just joining us, uh, my name is Ryan, and we are reading the Book of Mormon, and we are Chapter Four for Nephi, and John and I are going to discuss how this applies to us directly. Cool. Uh, yeah. What's really interesting? Gosh, I use that word too much. Just use it and just move on. Jesus. <laughs> He's not here. Or maybe he is listening. In. He's listening Definitely and thinking listening. what an idiot is doing with this short guy with nice, with a nice body. Mm, which It's nicer <laughs> than mine. Hey. Okay, let's go on. So what's, you know, prepping for this was interesting for me. Uh, we mentioned before that I am. Uh, semi-active. Actually, Ryan asked me, uh, you know, which, how do I classify, or what is my relationship with the church? And he said active, inactive, and then mentioned a couple others, and I said, uh, somewhere I should, in between. I should probably start adding semi-active yeah. into the rotation because you're not the first person to say semi-active. Yeah, because I, I mean, I have been a church, I have been faithfully active my entire life up until probably this year. So, um, a little background of me, uh, like I did not come out until I was 32. I was there. Uh, you were, you were, I don't know that you were like, well, actually I did come out to you and a group of people. At it one point was in time. terrible. <laughs> That's a whole other story. That's for a different, different time, day. everyone. But yeah, so I knew I was attracted to guys when I was, uh, 12 around that time. And I decided at that point in time, because of a variety of reasons, not to tell anyone. I was convinced I would figure out how to be straight. I always was taught and believed I could accomplish anything I wanted to accomplish. So that was what I set out to do. And I was very active in church. I did all of the things. I went on a mission. Um, I had all the callings. I mean, I've, I've basically done everything. I was very you active. You were a bishop? I, well, no. I mean, I had all the callings a single man can have. Uh, that's not true. I didn't. I was never uh, elders quorum president, but I basically was like uh, the the secretary to the bishop, and I was the um, I was like first and second counselors. I was an instructor. Where's this going? <laughs> that's a great question. Uh, where was this going before we started telling my story? Uh, so I was, you know, so when I came out in thirty two, um, I ended up having a. A weird decision about how am I going to be gay and be active Mormon and I just realized that like I am gay and I finally after 20 years accepted that and realized I just needed like it was a thing that should just be part of my life and I shouldn't have to hide that part of my life and how I decided to live my life was a different question but so I came out at that point in time continued going to church and up until this year, um, you know, I've been relatively active, and this year has been a little bit harder for me for a variety of reasons. Uh, mostly, I just, I don't really enjoy church very much anymore, and I don't feel like I belong, and it becomes, it's difficult. But I still love the people there, and I love a lot of the teachings. Uh, but as I was preparing for this specifically, I kind of felt like I was, like, prepping for battle. Uh, and I don't know why, but that's kind of what it felt like. You're not the first person to come on this podcast and like prior to like us getting ready to talk about these things, it, to say that getting ready for this podcast is like getting prepped for battle. So I think that um, when we talk about putting on the armor of God and things like that and reading the scriptures, I think as LGBT people, for me specifically... I can't speak for other people, but I can only speak for myself, is that sometimes, like, 
I feel like Heavenly Father puts things in the scriptures that are great stories, mm -hmm. but they're like, this is a great example of what might happen to you or for you or blessings or things like that. Yeah. So. No, I think that that is true. And what's interesting in the Book of Mormon and in all scripture, really, there's so much war, there's so much battle. Um, even in this scripture, like the big speech that Nephi gives at the beginning, he basically says, like, let's be strong like unto Moses. He spake unto the waters and of the Red Sea, and our fathers were saved, and the Pharaoh and all of his armies were drowned in the sea. And it's like, okay. You know what I mean? It's, it's like there's there's battle and there's death and there's this conversation that the wicked will be destroyed. And it's just that's always an ever-present thing in Scripture that I but think is it's, really interesting. But it's also like at this time it's very clear who wickedness is. Like Back in the day? Because they had yeah. a very clear law. Yeah. I feel like, mm, pardon me, sorry, excuse me, <laughs> not meaning to burp on podcasts, but um, I feel like as we, because they had the letter of the law and the spirit of the law, mm -hmm. and I feel like murder was the letter of the law, but also like Nephi is struggling here with like, it's the letter of the law is don't kill, but the spirit of the law says in this example... It's okay because we don't want was it nations and something to perish like yeah uh, um, the commandments according to it is better that one man should perish than that a nation should dwindle and perish in unbelief that's thirteen it's what the angel says to him as he just right before he decides to kill him so it's like um, but I think this is a, an interesting point you brought up the fact that the scriptures have all these stories that we can learn from I actually as I was reading this story today I was like I should not apply this story to my life why in the sense i mean aspects of it yes but this is a very singular thing a very singular time a very singular experience that in this instance the reality of what he did which was take another person's life like most of us are never going to be in a situation where our single decision determines the faith and the the success of an entire generation of people that are going to go live on some other continent somewhere I, I totally agree with that. And the reason why I think that's important here is that, and maybe this is for the next section when we think about the rest of us, but I think it's so easy to see the militant aspects of the gospel and to see how, oh, well, Nephi was told to kill this wicked guy. And then to start taking that and, and saying, it's okay for me to be militant against people that do not have the same beliefs that I have because they are also But you wicked. also see the internal struggle. Like, if you're so easily... Kind of like, do this. Yes! I'm going to do it. Like, there's no internal, like, should I? Should I not? There's that whole idea that Brigham Young didn't want members of the church to get so comfortable in the church that they stop questioning leadership. He wanted people to question and ponder and pray for themselves so that they know things are true. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a great thing. And I think we as LGBT members of the church, and I think that a lot of the membership of the church right now is... And I think what President Elphinstone's doing with the church is, hey, everybody, don't forget, you need to get confirmation to what we're saying is true. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of people just leaving the church because they're like, these are just old bigots who don't understand what inclusion looks like. And we've been so exclusionist for such a long time. that. Yeah. And I feel like what you're talking about is people who are blind to, like just militant. And I think Nephi here is so open to the spirit that he struggles over these four verses. Yeah. So I think he goes through that struggle like a lot of us. And I think that for me, I'm not doing saving nations or nothing on this <laughs> podcast, but I do feel like the purpose of this podcast is to spread, to spread uh, positivity. And I think totally. you're doing that and totally. I'm doing that. And all the people who participate in this podcast are doing that and um we're trying to either give people positive like if you're going to be negative against the church here's a positive way to close that chapter in your life and if you're going to be active here's a positive way to see there's other people out there like you mm -hmm. that you can talk to who have your point of view or can understand the things that you're going through yeah no 100 percent. and i think so there are, I maybe misspoke earlier, I think that there are aspects we shouldn't apply to ourselves, which, you know, some of the militant uh, aspects and the, 
you know, it's not our place to judge who is wicked and who is not wicked. Yeah. I think that that's an important thing. And even in this story, it's very clear to be like, oh, Laban's the wit, the wicked guy. But you know what? We also have Laman and Lemuel, who also seem to be pretty wicked, but they're on the right, the side of right. So, but at least at this they, point. At this part, I mean, uh, but like, you know, they're, they go with them. They're in the wilderness. Sometimes they're <laughs> wicked. Sometimes they're not. Um, you know, I think they're probably the ones that are most normal. I feel like I could relate more to them than I could well, totally. with Nephi. Well, because I... Nephi is like the, the perfect example. You rarely see him fall down at all. Um, but we're human and we don't. And part of one of, I think, the big issues with just for me, something that for me has been very difficult in my life is to have this perfectionist view of how I should behave and how I should act. And that I have the ability to be a perfect son of God. Or, or You're not perfect. I know it's hard to believe, but uh, with those forearms, <laughs> exactly. Actually, my forearms need some work, but exactly. See, right? call, call it, call it, call it. <laughs> Look at how vain he is, even on a podcast. I'm not vain. Oh, I'm girl. a little vain. <laughs> girl. They used to say my family used to sing. You're so vain. You probably think this song is about It's you. about you, John. It was about me. It's no, about it you, John. Okay. Okay. Apply that to your life. <laughs> but um, I do Carly think, Simon. you know, one of the things that I love, one of the verses that I really love about this, um, and I was led by the Spirit, not knowing beforehand the things which I should do. That has always been a really interesting um, or really important scripture and thought for me in the sense that I... Wait, what, I'm sorry. I blacked out for just like a second. Yes. Could you repeat that? Verse 6. Thank you. Verse 6. And I was led by the Spirit, not knowing beforehand the things which I should do. And I think when when I think about my life, like, yes, I'm a gay man. And yes, I have dated boys and kissed boys and I want to be with a boy. And to some people, that is a terrible, no, no, no. terrible thing. But one thing that I have tried to do my entire life is foster this ability to listen to the Spirit and to follow where my heart, where my head and my heart lead me. And on rare occasions, my head and my heart have led me to places that are against what church leaders have said. Um, and now I think what's interesting is some of the church leaders are changing their tune and the message is a little bit different. And I think it will it's continue to change. It's very cloudy right now, the it's message. It's very cloudy. Because they keep saying, why... it's like... It's like one step to forward, two steps back, two steps to the left. I'm like, what are you doing? The hokey pokey here? Well, and this is why I think, <sighs> for me, this scripture is so important. And I think it really speaks to one of the main tenets of our faith, which is personal revelation and listening to the Spirit and understanding the thing, you know, moving forward sometimes into the dark in the direction that feels right, even when you don't know why it's right, but it is. And for me, that took place when I decided to come out. It was against everything that I had believed for so many years, but it was the right thing for me. And I look back and I know 100% that was the right thing for me to do. And deciding to date guys, like that was also a really big decision for me. Uh, but it is 100% brought so much joy to my life. Like if you've never, for me, again, I'm speaking about myself. Finding people that you generally and care like, about and being able to yes, be like have yes. multiple levels of intimacy mm -hmm. with, it is part of our human experience. It is part of what 95% of the population just does normal standard and then the rest of us that are fit into that LGBTQ SSA or, you know, whatever the boxes that you want to, you know, use to describe yourself, the rest of us, like, we're told weirdly that, like, sorry, that's not for you or it is for you, but find someone you're not attracted to to try to do it with. And it's just, it, that's not, it doesn't work for me. And so I followed the spirit and made decisions that to me have brought a lot of joy to my life, um, but have basically kind of put me at odds with the church. And it's an interesting place to be. I find myself very, I, I, in this part where, where he's talking about like, he's been keep being confused about what to do. And there's been several moments in my life where I'm like, at a moment of like, I have no idea what's going on in my life. I have no idea what to do. Um, my life is terrible. I hate my job. I'm going to move to New York. I uh, that too, the move to New York. Uh -huh. That was one of the very clear examples I was thinking Yes. About. Another clear example for me is, I'm not sure if this guy's into me. I'm into him. I think he, I really like him. He's really nice. Uh... 
I feel like he's doing more for me than I'm doing for him. Uh, what should I do? I married him. Uh, <laughs> I was there. I was the only witness. That's true. That is so true. I mean, Very like, true. that's something that I prayed about a lot. And then also, like, when we were dating, I was like, I would like my kids to have a religious experience. Do I go to church? Do I not go to church? And the answer was, go to church. And don't go to church. Uh, go to this ward. And that's the ward I went to. Actually, you were in that ward when I first got married. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And there were a lot of good people in that ward who have since married and moved on or just whatever. And let's see. And then I went, used to only go for the first hour. And now I go all three hours, all two oh, hours. Two hours. <laughs> I, used to get, I used to go all three hours. And now I'm down to two hours again. But um, it, it's one of those things where like I could feel like Heavenly Father being like, yes, this is the right answer. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is the right answer. Yes, this is the right answer. And I feel like because I've gone, like, and followed the Spirit, those things, like, like, I've gotten a lot of blessings. And I feel like in my personal life, in my career, I feel like it's like crickets, 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 mm-hmm. crickets, because I keep asking and nothing's coming. But I've started doing this to fill that time while mm-hmm. I'm waiting for an answer and applying for jobs. But, um,. I feel really good about this and like I feel like we have to put in the work like Nephi did Mm because it's like the things will be delivered to you that you need if you just do what the Lord Mm -hmm. you know wants you might not get it the way you want it but you'll get it you might have to do a little work but he'll present the work to you yeah does that make sense yeah, no, I think it makes sense. I mean, and, and, and that is applicable from the scripture. Like, they needed something. If I had to put in the work to get the plates, the work was not something he wanted to do, obviously. Uh, but it was something that he, you know, learned was necessary. You know, the other thing I, I want to point out here, I think, I don't know, I just keep going back to that scripture in my head, that men are that they might have joy. And I know that's not until Second Nephi somewhere. I can't remember what chapter I don't it's know. In, don't ask me. I don't, but I don't know what men are that they might have joy. Men and women, people are, are humans. <laughs> Children of God are that they might have joy. And when I think of a lot of times in my life where I felt like I was following the Spirit um, because I was following the teachings of, of whoever or whatever book I read, um, you know, thinking of like the miracle of forgiveness specifically. <laughs> but um, And there were a lot of times when doing those things made me miserable and made me really unhappy. Miracle of Forgiveness is a book that you read if you just want to hate yourself for a long time. And <laughs> well, you it's want... kind of been discredited now. I mean, I think. So it's one of those books. You know what? If it's such a discredited book, why is it still for sale at Deseret Books well, they, it's front like, and center? No one's like actually discredited it. But I think, you know, if you look at what the church says anyways about LGBTQ people today... Versus what was said in that book, I don't think that it. Um, is it? Squared. I mean, Oaks mm, does of. like to kind of like. Maybe they just have softened it. I but, I don't know. You know, I I don't know if this is weird, but I actually I wrote a song. So uh, actually, you know, Ryan mentioned that um, I work in marketing technology sales, and I do. I'm a solution engineer, so I help solutions. I help businesses figure out solutions to their problems, but. I'm also a singer-songwriter. I'm writing a musical. I, you know, I'm a creative person as well. He's kind of obnoxious about it. <laughs> I'm not that obnoxious. I rarely ever share things unless people want to hear it. But I was thinking about this in preparation, and actually, you know, around the time before I came out, uh, when I was really, really miserable, I wrote a song <laughs> um, called "Impossible," and I'm wondering, should I read the lyrics out? Go ahead. You do, do you, boo? I mean, I could sing it, but I normally would play the guitar, so I don't know if that well, makes sense for me to sing it without the guitar. Do, do you. I applaud you for reading as well as for singing. <laughs> I don't have you as a friend just for your mediocre looks, but also your mediocre angelic voice. Oh, well, thank you so much. No problem. So much. Do we have enough time before the... Yeah, girl, go ahead. Okay. Ah, well, I mean, for reading, You, yes. do, you. Okay. Um, impossible. Impossible. The road you... The, now I'm like nervous about reading this. Why? Impossible. Is it is impossible a, uh, a plain <laughs> yellow pumpkin uh, 
who's turned into a golden carriage from Rodgers and Hammerstein? Is no, that what impossible I, is? No, a different kind of impossible. Okay, I'm going to sing it. We'll try really? that. If Wait, it, if it you sucks, know what? Yes. What we're going to do right now is we're going to sing it after the break. <laughs> That's what okay, we're going to do. We can do that. that we can do that. Do you do it? Maybe we'll do a little Rodgers and Hammerstein Cinderella while we're <laughs> on break. Is that what we're going to do? Perfect. We Maybe? are going to Okay. All right. Let's go. We can be Holland and Oaks. <laughs> I call yes. Oaks. Okay, that's fine. Welcome back Welcome. to to reading the Book of Mormon with Ryan, and we're about to have uh, Scripture and the Spoken Word with John Penny. If you have just joining us, now he will be singing an original song to us that he believes correlates fairly <laughs> well, and as I do as well, that <clears throat> correlates with. First Nephi, chapter 4, and it is called Impossible, not to be confused with the Rogers and Hammerstein's song. <clears throat> Are you ready, John? I'm, I'm as ready as I'm going to be uh, singing this song a cappella, so yes. Go. Okay. Impossible, the road that I must go down. Impossible. The road you want me to crawl down Impossible The things you want me to feel now It's impossible To be What you need Is this a joke? You tie me in chains and expect me to walk To move that stone I just can't push against anymore It's dangerous to trust me so much To think I would go through this muck Crawl through this fucking nightmare Look at me, I'm alone in the space you left me, waiting for a savior to come and wipe the stains from my hands. Can you see me, oh, can you see me in the rain? Walking through the corner of the night Just to see what it's like Impossible This life you asked me to lead Impossible Won't you just let me be Impossible is just what I need to get me to trust you, you say. Who asked you anyway? That was really good, John. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Realized my microphone was on mute because I had it on mute while you were singing. Oh, it's okay. Good job, good job, good job. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that's a. Uh, the reason this song came to mind while right. I was reading this scripture is I was thinking of the times when I have listened to the Spirit. And, you know, I tried so hard for so long to do the things that I was told were right. And it just was impossible. Like I was to the point, I've never been somebody that wanted to kill myself, but I definitely was somebody who I have. Yeah. But I was definitely somebody who used to pray to die. Like I did that many times for years because I was at, and not constantly, like I'd have peaks and valleys. And when I was at a peak, I was like, I'm doing good. And then I was in a valley and I was like, Oh my gosh, like heavenly father, I can't take this anymore. And I would go back and forth. And I just, this was very soon, right before I decided to come out, and I just was at this point where I was like, I just felt like I was being asked to do something that was inhumane, that was Im impossible. I like talk about crawling through the muck. Like I just yes. felt like, like I was like, I can't, 
Like, it's dangerous to trust me so much to think I would go through this muck, crawl through this fucking nightmare because, like, I was just... I think it was so I don't, terrible. I think you're you're right there on the money with a lot of LGBT people who are like, do I stay in the church or do I leave? Because mm-hmm. there's not a lot of positivity for us in the church. Yeah. And so my ward is really great. And I have talked about this several times on the podcast. And I'll probably mm-hmm. keep talking about it. Like, I've done enough work in my current ward that... Everyone at Ward Activities, uh, we had one not too long ago. My husband came with me. Um, We participate in things together. He does not come to church, but I do not hide him. He is not hidden, and he is not a shock value thing that comes to Ward Activities. Like, he's a part of our ward. Yeah, and you're very vocal about him. Like, you love your husband, and you talk about him just like most people talk about their wives or their other spouses, right? It's really, it's really wonderful to see. And it is wonderful to see people not bat an eyelash. And it could be where we're at, but it's also just people that have decided that they're just going to show you guys love and that that's all that is important. So it's also interesting looking around the church is that, um, so I went to go, uh, my last trip in Utah, I went to two different wards and, um, how, uh, I lost my turn of thought. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. And how (laughs) some people were like, oh, I would go to like words in Utah with my friends who live in Utah now and they're like, Oh, that's great. Oh, uh, like they would just be like, great. I've never met another gay Mormon. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm sure you have. They probably have just, just left the tell sh- you. <laughs> they either just were afraid to tell you. They don't trust you. They don't like, you're not, um, someone that they feel safe talking to, or there's no good examples or they've left yeah. and they are super antagonistic against the church. And, um, so it's really interesting. And then when I'm at my, well, I've told my state president this is that in our ward, people will tell their friends about me. And when they come to church, they'll come up and shake my hand and be like, are, are you Ryan? And I'm like, yes. And I, in my mind, I'm like, I should sell t-shirts, gay, married, Mormon, shake my hand. Like I would make so much money because at least once a month. Uh, when I'm in town, like I go to church every Sunday, as long as I'm in town, mm-hmm. I think in five years I've missed two Sundays because I was like, I'm not, uh, I don't feel like going. And yeah. there was one Sunday when, um, my stake president was, and I were talking about being excommunicated. I was like, I just can't, mm-hmm. I emotionally could not go to <clears throat> church because it just hurt too much. And it was one of those things where, like, I felt good about that choice. Like, yeah. this Sunday, it's okay to take off because it just hurt so bad yeah. to go to church. It became where this... Well, church should not be a place. I mean, sure. I mean, church should be a place where you feel love, acceptance, where you enjoy being. It's And that can be very difficult, especially when you feel like you're not accepted or that people don't know you or love you. There's a there's a, a book about work called Three Signs of a Miserable Job, and one of them is is that you're anonymous, like you have anonymity, like people don't know who you are. I think that that applies to more than just work. I think it applies to anywhere, and it especially applies to any group of people where you are trying, where you should feel like you belong. And so, going to work either as a closeted person, like that doesn't feel good, or going to work as an out person that isn't accepted, that doesn't feel good. Like it's. So, I mean, okay, so, and that, that closeted person, I mean, yeah. like, are they kind of like Nephi here and they're passing? Maybe. I mean, if Nephi had to do that for a long time, would he feel good I about mean, that? I mean, I did that for a long time and I didn't feel good about it. I mean, if you had to do it for a short time. It... Well, I mean, I, you know, I think it's interesting that, that you think that I pass as a straight man. I, I don't know. Sometimes, I mean, for years I tried to pass as a straight man because I thought, be the guy I want to be or whatever and I wanted to be straight. I'm sure if I put you in a lineup <clears> with like five other straight guys, like they wouldn't be able to tell. Maybe. I don't think so. Depends uh, on depends on who's judging and if he was cute or not. <laughs> girl, please. But uh, the, uh, but I will say this. Um, I just had a... Th- oh, what I was going to say is this. 
Um, you know, last year we we here in our stake have been having this like scripture reading study. So John is now in the mid singles. I am, um, although I normally go to the family ward. But, but the mid singles stake does. So do in that. New York City, mm-hmm. we have a single stake mm-hmm. and a family stake, and um, and there is this this um, monthly scripture study. I don't go all the time, but I went last year. And for LGBTQ, there's one Sunday, right? I think so. Yeah, I'm gonna go. And um, one of the things that this course of people in there were talking about with a member of the stake president that was there meeting with us was that there wasn't enough. Wait, is this the one you were that... there at this one? Was that the one that we came, that Tao came to? I don't think he, I don't remember if he was at that one. But let me finish my story. So um, at this one, we were all talking about how we wish there was more representation of LGBTQ people up on the stand, and all of a sudden. Well, number one, I was one of the older people there. Um, You're I'm, the oldest. I am the oldest. I'm 38 years old. I'm 38 and single. I never thought I would say that. I'm gay. I never thought I would say that. I'm Mormon. I never thought I would struggle to say that. But what's interesting... I really like that you said all three of those things. And I think that that makes yeah. you so wonderful. Well, that is, <laughs> I think that is your kind of like... Your costume who, or who your who you it's, are. It's, you know, it's the words I use to describe myself because I come from all those places. But the thing that I realized that I really want to point out here is that I realized I can be that person at up on the up on the pedestal once a month. We have fast and testimony meeting, and I decided at that point that every time I was there, I would get up and bear my testimony very visibly as a gay LGBTQ member of the church. And I have not done it every time this year. I it was I great. Once. I was there the first time. Oh, yeah. Remember that? You yeah. came up there and went up there and you were like, I want to be this person. And you're, and I just re- I remember, I was just like, I am the, ha-. it was the Sunday before that was uh-huh. the Sunday that I was like, I literally can't go to church. And then literally the next Sunday, and I know I didn't tell you that then, because I you, because yeah. I was really pissed at you for a while <laughs> when I, t- so I shared th- with a group of friends that I was like, hey, I might be getting excommunicated. And in the midst of me trying to explain this, John like snuck off to take a picture of oh, himself. That's... <laughs> I was pissed at you. And then I had that experience. And I'm, I think this is the first time you're hearing about this. Like, I didn't, I didn't. I was like, we're not going to talk about religious things with John just because he can't handle it right now. He's in his own little fantasy world. We're we just, just watched it. a movie together, and I needed a picture in front of the side. But I was in the middle know, of pouring know, my heart out on the street. Okay, well, go back to the good part about how I'm Anyway, and I was just, you are the worst sometimes. Ugh. I'm a human. I'm a human Ugh. being. Accept me for as I am. Ugh, you are the worst sometimes, but, but I'm much instance, worse than other times. But in but that instance. But in that instance, and I cock blocked you uh afterwards because i was so happy you were talking to another person <laughs> that is lgbt in our ward oh that is true I uh, and who was dreamy um <laughs> in their own special way um and you two were talking and i like beelined over you to tell you how happy i was yeah and i was like it was in that moment where I was like, okay, John's not completely vapid. <laughs> I'm no, so I'm... <laughs> happy. And it was also one of those like temperature mercies of the Lord yes. to be like, by the well, way. Well, but this is the thing about that. I have done this now probably 10 times where I get up and even if I don't have anything to say, the message I share is, you know, sometimes, sometimes I get up and say, hey, it's hard for me to come here sometimes as an LGBTQ member of the church. You know, it, it can be hard to come to church, but I do want to like just let everyone know that God loves us. He is our Heavenly Father. We are created, and you are perfect exactly as you are. Um, and I just try to share a really positive message that nobody can object to. No one can object to the fact that I'm LGBTQ. Nobody can object to the fact that I tell them that God loves them and that God loves all of us and that he loves us exactly as we are because he created us. Like, nobody can object to those things. And I get up there to be a very visible force, um, at least in the ward that I'm at those days. And I have so, every time I do it, I get five or ten people that come up to me and are so grateful that, that I got up and said something. Or they send me messages. or they like, It's so I, beautiful. Because like in my ward, like we all, there's so many, like I'm in a family ward, so, and there's so many people here in New York City that are like, oh, I have a family member or a cousin or mm-hmm. an aunt or an uncle. or well, Most people all over the world have that. Who have a family member or a relative Mm -hmm. or a friend who's like, they left the church because they're LGBT. And 
I was like, they probably still believe the church is true deep down or they have a relationship with the church, but they feel like they were forced out. And they were like, I've never really asked them. I just assumed they hated the church. And it's like, well, why don't you ask? Yeah. Like, and it's not even the church. For me, I have separated the church from the gospel. Um, the church is... And so this is where my like relationship with the church and with God becomes very complex. And it, you know, if any, no, none of you have looked up the stages of faith, um, I recommend that you do so. There's like seven of them, and I'm not going to get into it here because I think we're running out of time. But there are seven stages of faith, and and one of those stages is where you, you know, you start to accept that there can be inconsistencies in your faith, and it's just a really interesting thing for me. Like I believe in God, I I do, and I have I feel a lot of feelings about it, and. There are things like when I, certain times like with Joseph Smith, I feel like, oh yeah, he's a prophet. Like I feel those things. But then other times I'm like, but I can't with this church right now or I can't with like the message that's being given. And so I just like, my, my goal is just to live the best life I can live doing exactly, you know what it says here, being led by the spirit and not knowing beforehand the things which I should do, but listening and following the things that feel right and good to me. And that does not always coincide with what, leaders in the church say and you know what like at the end if I'm judged harshly for that I'm going to say well you know what I did the things that to me felt right and you know I'm sorry if that wasn't right but it was because how else could it not be right like yeah. I'm doing the things that make me feel deep down as deep as it can go good and right and I just you know I I'm I, I will hold on to that much stronger than I'll hold on to what any other mortal human tells me I should or shouldn't be doing I think when it comes with the message of love and inclusion, and I think that where you're like, well, Christ loved everyone. There was not someone that he did not love. And if we can make everyone feel loved, like there's people that I'm mad at but and upset with, and I'm like, I have a hard time feeling mm-hmm. love for those people. But it's at the same time, I'm like, I know that's my bad, mm-hmm. but... I feel like I have no desire to like, like fix that. If you know what I mean, mm-hmm. like I don't wish them ill will, but at the same time I don't love them. Yeah. But I, I don't know. That's I don't know. That's a complicated issue. But I believe that, like I want to everyone know that they feel they should be loved. Yeah. All right. No, you are. And if you're questioning that, number one, like one of the things I just was thinking about today at work because of a conversation I had, like each one of us has innate value. Like you have value, whether or not you can see it, it is there, I promise you. And you are a wonderful human being. You are worthy of love. You are worthy of connection. You deserve all of those things. And Heavenly Father wants each and every one of us to have those things. Uh, That is something of which I will bear very strong testimony. And it goes back to that whole concept of, you know, men and women are that they might have joy. Like the whole point of this life is to have joy. And connection brings joy. And so anyone who tells you that you don't deserve or aren't worthy of connection, even if that's yourself, they're wrong. So you do deserve it. You so are what, worthy of love. So what am I worthy? How, how much am I worth? <laughs> you have a husband, so let's not talk about that. You already <gasps> got your love. <laughs> He's not even in I'm single, so if you're single and you're listening to this and you weren't completely annoyed by me, Oh, I'm sure most people will see your picture and be like, oh, I could listen to him talk all the time because John doesn't listen to this. He's actually really attractive and we need to tell him that he's mediocre attractive because otherwise his head would be too big to get through the door. Oh, so, stop. Oh, stop. You're making me blush. <laughs> but, okay, so, John. Yes. So, if people did want to get in contact with you. Sure. Uh, what's your phone number? Just kidding, not your phone number. But um, uh, where am I on social media? Where are you on the socials? Well, the easiest way probably is on Instagram. So you can just look up my name, J O N P I N N E Y at John Pinney. Or that's my like normal one with all my like family photos and stuff like that. Or I have a second one which is like my music slash selfie one. So go to that one if you go care. to that one. That's the good one. That's the good one. That's the one you should tell people. Like the other one should only be given yeah, to actually, aunts and uncles and cousins. Like, yeah, it's like, true. Like the other one should like if you if, don't want to look at that one. The one you want to look at is called J P Vault V A U L T. Like 
That's what you want to see, folks. Keep <laughs> That's what you want to see. It's got some music stuff. You yeah, can also find and some, me. And some other stuff. I do actually, randomly, I put out an album a few years ago, so you can look me up on Spotify and... Um, and uh, Apple Music or whatever. So and the YouTubes! And the YouTubes. I don't recommend looking me up on YouTubes. There's some embarrassing things there. <laughs> uh, delightful. <laughs> I know what I will be doing later this evening. Oh, no. Yes! <laughs> um, again, thank you, John, for joining us. No, Ryan, thank you. I really appreciated the uh, opportunity to do this. Are you um, also mm-hmm. on any dating apps? I... <laughs> I'm on every dating app, let's be honest. I've tried them all. Um, and, uh... So if you're I, in the... Like, I, meet, I meet people, but yes, I'm on them all. I am if you're in the New York area and you are on the social medias and the dating applications, please look up Mr. Penny. Yeah, sadly I don't think I can give you, like... It's not like an app mention. I can't tell you what my handle is on those. So I don't know. I don't care. You just either. gotta swipe left or right until you find me. So good uh, luck. <laughs> hopefully you swipe the right way. Um. All right. Um. All right. Thank you for joining me. And if you are interested in participating, please email us at pioneerprojects82 at gmail.com. Again, thank you, Mr. Penny, for joining us. And next week we will be reading. Uh, First Nephi, Chapter 5. Awesome. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate it. No problem.